Hello to you, Dennis. With the cold weather certainly making itself felt at the moment, mm. winter is coming, mm. uh, we're becoming encouraged to resist infections, particularly with the respiratory system, mm. by getting vaccinated. Correct. Particularly and, and against and the look, flu. Look, um, there's nothing the matter with that. I, I have been, not intrigued, but um, interested in the way in which there is a recognition that coldness, cold weather, winter weather, can be a dangerous phenomenon for some people. And uh, I'd like to see it, in fact, as pathogenic. So I want to talk today about the need to take into account coldness as a factor to be resisted as part of a program to keep ourselves free, particularly of viral infections. To a new RFM and health naturally. And we are taking your calls for health naturally. It is 17 past 12 and uh, Robin has rung in from Woodbury. We'll talk to you first, Robin. And you've got a question about wood betony and vertigo. Yes, that's right, I do. Hello, Robin. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well. That's good. Um, I've heard you talk about wood betony mm. and mm. vertigo. Mm. Um, it, do you, like, you know, if you get it, do, do you have to take it all the time or just when vertigo arises? Okay, good question. This is not meant to be replacement therapy for what may have been prescribed uh, by your medical practitioner. What it is aimed at doing mm-hmm. is progressively addressing the problem to the extent that there might be some taking up in the condition which could see alteration in the prescription medication or also it could be used where prescription medication may not be affecting the job. But it is something that depends upon the nature of the condition, how long it's been occurring, what Mm. management the the patient is is having. Mm. I would see it, however, as being more likely to have to be used for some time to be able to assess its benefit. In other words, if if the condition of vertigo that you may be experiencing is a chronic condition, well, then wood betony would have to be taken chronically on on a daily basis in accordance with stipulated dosage. Mm -hmm. The idea being here that it would hopefully uh, address the condition and see some diminution in the uh, vertigo, Mm -hmm. which would be so impressive that there might be a good case uh, for reducing medication or, in fact, challenging the conventional uh, medical treatment. Now, let me just say, this is no reflection on mainstream medical management. It's bringing in uh, an unknown or unrecognised option that exists in herbal medicine where where the quiet, uh, inauspicious, uh, multifaceted way the herb works can, in many cases, see uh, vertigo contained. Okay, all right. Now, let me so, just, let me just yep. emphasise here to listeners, uh, vertigo, of course, no, uh, is something that needs to be medically interpreted and understood. Mm. It's not just something that one says, I've got vertigo, so I'll look after it myself, because vertigo can be associated with a spectrum of conditions. But if the condition has been acknowledged and recognised and uh, uh, medically um, de- de- described, um, that is a condition then that lends itself uh, to wood betony. But let me emphasise the right herb in the right dosage for a chronic period of time. Right. And, I, and I emphasise this again, wood betony 
is a medicinal herb. It's not a, a plaything. It's not something that one normally procures across the across the counter in a oh. pharmacy or health food store. It mm-hmm. it would be prescribed, generally speaking, in a liquid extract form yeah. uh, procured from, say, a medical herbalist or a, a compounding pharmacist that has a, a, a herbal dispensary, and yeah. it would be uh, dispensed as a liquid extract of mm-hmm. a particular concentration, and it would be dosed in accordance to the dosage parameters called up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia. Right, and okay. let, let me just emphasise here, many, many uh, people that use herbs uh, do so fairly nonchalantly, and for medically defined conditions, that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. If, if you take a herb to address uh, a medical condition where that medical condition is getting nowhere or, or being treated with limited effect, the right herb can do remarkable things, as I've said, when it's prescribed in that, uh, under those parameters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, also, too, we've heard that primrose oil yes. rubbed on the temples can help. Is okay. This Look, um, you would have heard me speak about primrose oil on this program, and I am a, a particular uh, fan of it. Uh, and and prescribe it frequently. Uh, I use evening primrose oil essentially, however, for addressing dermatological conditions, oh. eczemas uh, and dermatitis. And I've also said on this program that it is still an undiscovered gem for treating what's called nostalgia, that is, uh, painful breast conditions. Many women experience those symptoms, particularly prior to a period or ongoingly, and it's a pity that primrose oil is not... Uh, recognized and it's recognized in medical literature but not particularly well appreciated by many practitioners of naturopathic medicine or mainstream medicine those two areas it is particularly effective Uh, with reference to what you've said about putting it on the forehead look um, i do know that it has been recognized um, as a topical agent uh, to use on on the skin, particularly of of infants who may not be able to take it orally, uh, there is one text that suggests the topical application uh, could be useful to address um, infantile eczema by applying it uh, t- to the skin. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that um, I could see any systemic or constitutional benefits arising from just putting it on the forehead. Right. Where did you read that? Um, uh, look, I'm not quite sure okay. where he heard this, okay. but um, yeah, so, um, but we just thought that, you know, rubbing it on the temples. Look, what, it, can't, would... it can't hurt. Well, it can't, it hurt. can't no. hurt. But no, that's right. But again here, look, I say this to listeners generally, be a little bit cautious about a lot of an- anecdotal stuff. Mm-hmm. We, the, our profession and the use of herbs uh, gets, them, gets themselves into trouble because of overstatements. Yeah, and we have yeah. to guard against uh, what is on the net mm-hmm. and what companies and people want us to believe and some of the esoteric applications yeah. of some of these herbs. But again, yeah. I say, I don't know too much about its application of the forehead. It can't mm-hmm. hurt. No. It might, in fact, do the skin very good there. Okay, <laughs> all right. And just getting back to that wood yeah, betony, yeah, that's yeah. the only thing, there's nothing else coupled with that, for vertigo? In, in, in the literature, uh, and I refer to the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, um, mm-hmm. it's the only one that is recommended uh, with confidence. Right. Uh, what, uh, some herbalists 
may append to it uh, herbs like passionflower or skullcap, but the leading uh, remedy uh, made famous by the uh, English herbalist, uh, we used to call him Willie Smith, but his name was William Smith, a uh, famous English herbalist. It was Wood Bentley was made famous by him and uh, has, as far as I'm aware, it's the leading remedy and does not need to be uh, attached to other remedies to, to test its efficacy. All right, well, thank you very much for that, It is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. We're taking your calls. Terry has rung in from Maitland. Now, Terry, you'd like to know what Dennis wants to do or wants to say about using astragalus with children who have anxiety. Have I got that right? Uh, That's correct, yeah. I heard Dennis talk about it uh, a few weeks back before Easter. Oh, yes. You're talking about using it with reference to your child, are you, Terry? Uh, my grandchild, okay. yeah, my grand, my grandson. Now, how 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 old is your grandson? Eleven. Uh, okay. The reason I ask that is that um, I'm always very cautious about um, uh, people using medicinal herbs um, on what you might call infants uh, that really need to be uh, under the care of a GP or a paediatrician. But eleven years of age, um, I prescribe and confidently prescribe astragalus. Um, for kids at that uh, stage of their life. But let me just say, uh, my main use of astragalus, and I mean uh, there are numerous products containing astragalus, but my main use of it, regardless of the name of the product, is more immunological uh, rather than anything else. So when you talk about using it for a child with anxiety, um, I can see no um, reason why it would uh, clash with any medication that child would be on. Uh, I'm not sure that it would contribute anything towards the management of his anxiety. Oh, okay, yeah, because when we went to buy it, um, the the pharmacist actually told us that the children's version of it had uh, one ingredient missing, and they felt that that was the one that might have dealt with the anxiety. Oh, okay, look, um, there there has been a lot of, um, how can I call it, Uh, reformulation of astragalus products in the marketplace, I still use I still use the original formula of the astragalus um, formula that I brought into the country 30 years ago, and I, I have not uh, needed or seemed any need or see any need to take any herb out of the formulation. I'm not sure that that actually happened, um, but I have never seen any any problems associated with prescribing uh, the the whole astragalus formula. Uh, for kids, uh, now that's been my experience. I'm not contradicting what your good pharmacist said, but um, I, I have used the complete formula with no ramifications in the correct dosage. Let me emphasise that in the correct dosage uh, for kids, mainly right. for mainly for kids that are going down too frequently with colds and coughs and tonsillitis and other kids' conditions, and I've found it useful there. Oh, okay, but you don't you don't feel that uh, might do something for anxiety in a child that age? No, I don't. I think that oh, okay. uh, is is the, is the child being uh, treated for anxiety? Um, we're just starting to get um, yeah, information on it now. Okay. Look, uh, my advice to you would be: if there is an anxiety condition in the child, your first port of call must be your general practitioner. Right. Um, and uh, there is there is some very good. Um, 
treatments for kids these days with anxiety, even within the mainstream. Uh, having said that, uh, there are some good remedies also within natural medicine, um, but it is best, first up with kids in particular, to present to your GP, who's our prime contact therapist, get an interpretation to see whether or not the child needs to uh, have a child psychologist or needs some uh, medication. It may even, in that perspective, uh, be okay to contemplate the use of some uh, complementary medicines, and by that I mean simple remedies like uh, uh, chamomile and, and skullcap, typical remedies that have long been used to address um, kids' problems. But first up, go down, get it defined, see what's behind it, and uh, um, accede to the medical management initially or a GP who is prepared to monitor the, uh, your use of some appropriate uh, gentle herbal remedies that might take the edge off the condition. Oh, great. Thanks, Dennis. Pleasure. Thanks, thank Robert. you. Thank you. And thank you. Now, Robert's rung in from Wall's End, Dennis. Now, Robert, um, you're wondering about foods that cause arthritis, and you quote tomatoes and Coca-Cola as uh, being culprits. Absolutely. <laughs> Hello, Rob. Robert. Look, what I, would, what I would respond here and say is that uh, I do believe that there is a connection between um, arthritic conditions and some of the foods we eat. Now, I'm not going to enumerate them, but I'm going to uh, mention to you that there was an American doctor, an American GP. Let me just say here as an aside, a lot of what goes under the banner of complementary medicine or natural medicine actually originated with the radical experimental ideas of general practitioners. Thank God for general practitioners who have thought out of the, who have thought out of the box. Uh, Colin Dong was a successful American um, medical practitioner who was wheelchaired with uh, with arthritis and was treated the conventional way, uh, anti-inflammatories, immunosuppressants, and was getting nowhere. So he reflected on his own ethnic background and developed a, a dietary program that is easily easily looked at via the net or in his uh, book called uh, uh, Arthritis Can Be Cured, or in, the, um, in, in other books uh, written by uh, some British ladies, um, Margaret Smith being the, one of the leading ladies uh, who wrote a book, Diet for Life. Diet for Life and Colin Dong's book, um, Arthritis Can Be Cured. So in that you will find some of the uh, ideas on eliminating certain foods and food groups that Dong proved to be triggers in his experience of arthritis and by going off them uh, resolved his condition and got back into mainstream medical practice, of course becoming somewhat of a specialist in, in the management of arthritis based on his own experience and his own restriction of foods from his diet. So get hold of the books by Colin Dong, Arthritis Can Be Cured, uh, a book, A Diet for Life, by Mary Lava and Margaret Smith, easily accessible. Get hold of those, easily read. So rather than looking at individual foods, look at a successful program that's been well written up in American popular literature as well as some medical literature as a diet restricting certain foods with success in some people. Right, excellent. Health Naturally on 2NURFM.
And uh, thanks to Joan, who rang in from Ashtonfield, for your call. And uh, she wanted to tell you, Dennis, that you'd talk to her daughter and her daughter has fallen pregnant after um, afterwards. So that's good and that's what she wanted to do. And Joan's been using glucosaplex. Well, well, there you go. Just talking to someone can get them pregnant. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I suspect that dear lady oh, was a Dennis. patient of mine and would have used my fertility mix. But I suspect It's, that it's nice right. of you to ring, Joan. We appreciate it. I'm glad you're using glucosaplex. You'll get some benefit from it. Well, we all like to talk about the weather, so why don't we start talking about Not a bad the idea. cold at the moment, Dennis? <laughs> and I, look, I think it's a, a very interesting topic because, as I have said, it's interesting now that we're moving into the cold weather, how our authorities, if you like, our medical authorities, are vigorously encouraging us to uh, be vaccinated and to take account of the fact that wintertime's coming and could aggravate uh, uh, flu tendencies or viral susceptibility, and, and I acknowledge that. But my view is that we have to take personal initiatives as well as using what's readily available, i.e. vaccinations, and I'm not opposed to those. I've said that before. Um, I personally believe we should take on board some of the traditional understanding of what cold is. Cold in traditional systems of medicine is considered to be pathogenic, Now, I'm talking about here cold in inverted commas because in traditional systems of medicine, um, they talk about diseases from an energetic perspective as being based, if you like, on a disturbance of energy. And cold is considered to be a pathogenic energy. Now, I know the mainstream is out there will shake their head and say, what is this guy saying? But what if you look at Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine, cold is seen as an agent that can bring health problems and can have an effect on our immunity and can also particularly target the respiratory system. So when we're moving into this weather, in my opinion, that's a useful thing to take on board to counteract the effect of cold and see it as something that is perhaps more dangerous than what we think, particularly if we are older. And I believe there's a lot in traditional medicine that can be taken on board to counteract that. And one of the things that I would say is that this is where uh, some herbs in particular appended to our daily routines can have quite a significant effect on counteracting um, the, the whole tendency for what are called cold diseases. Now, in this, on this program in the past, we have spoken about what are called warming herbs and warming foods. So my contribution today to taking up this concept of coldness being potentially dangerous and triggering off uh, infection and diseases, particularly a propensity for viral infections, is to say, as well as the conventional approach, which I'm not opposed to, simple access to some of the simple ideas of traditional medicine can give us an additional edge. Now, there are a bracket of herbs frequently referred to in our literature and taught as such that are known as circulatory stimulants. Now, again, here for people that might be interested in pursuing that, uh, the book entitled Dictionary of Modern Herbalism. I'll go slow there so you might jot it down. Dictionary of Modern Herbalism by Simon Mills is an excellent work to look at some of these definitions and concepts that I speak about. Mills is probably uh, the best read 
and most academic herbalist in the Western world. He's an Englishman whom I've personally met and has done a lot to bring herbal medicine into the academic and mainstream world. In his text, The Dictionary of Modern Herbalism, he talks about circulatory stimulants comprised of those herbs which we know very well, things like cayenne, things like ginger, things like coriander, uh, curry, those foods that we refer to as pungent spices, taken deliberately as supplements or incorporated into our diet on a regular basis, can, as Mills point out, points out, have a, a significant effect on circulation, and he refers to it as a tendency to warm all tissues of the body. Now, what's he talking about? Circulatory stimulants have a, an interesting ability to improve blood flow, and in particular, to improve the flow of blood into, into the viscera, into the main organs, and also, in so doing, bring a lot of defensive antibodies into tissues that are prone to infection, particularly the lungs. So in most traditional systems of medicine, uh, spicy substances, particularly ginger and cayenne, would be seen as medication brought into the diet, brought into one's routine at this stage of the year in, in order to counteract the damaging effects of cold and coldness on the organ systems. Um, so what am I saying? At this time of the year, particularly if I was an elderly person, I would be, say, using some capsules. The easiest way to take these things, particularly if you're not used to using uh, pungent, uh, spicy substances, capsules of capsicum, readily available, very inexpensive, taken deliberately, say, with meals, one capsule uh, after each meal uh, of, of cayenne, a good start. Does it work? Yes, it does. How do I know it works? I did a program many years ago from Sydney with a well-known um, broadcaster. Uh, my wife and myself used to go down to Sydney very early in the morning to do a talkback radio that went all over Australia. chap rang me from Tasmania and said, I suffer terribly from cold feet and cold hands. He said, it's a nightmare. I said, why are you living in that place? It is a nightmare. <laughs> Only joking. And he asked me what I would suggest. I said, look, go for a couple of months onto some capsules, uh, capsules of cayenne. Two months later, he rang back. Um, he was ecstatic in as much that he claimed that by doing that, his experience of cold peripheries had gone, his body was warmer, he felt better in himself, and he'd not had a cold. Now, that might be just one patient or one listener, but it tends to support what I'm saying. Coming into coldness, cold weather, looking at cold conditions, a simple thing that we can do, take a capsule of capsicum after our meals. If you can't handle it as a food, this is a simple and expensive way. Some people can't handle capsicum and say, well, what could I use? Simon Mills points out in his book on ginger, the ginger is a very, very useful, milder substitute as a warming herb to that of cayenne. So there's no excuse. Cayenne or ginger, taken regularly at this time of the year, can provide, from our perspective as medical herbalists, a useful antagonism to the effect of cold. Oh, I tell you what, ginger mm. tea is pretty good too. It is Dennis. good. And I'm glad you've said that, Jane, because my dear wife, uh, she's a great fan of ginger tea 
And in our practice, whilst we have some sophisticated herbal preparations, capsules, extracts, tinctures, always we have packets of ginger tea for people that come in and I prescribe them, recommend them. You're on the money there, Jean. To a new RFM Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart is taking your calls, but we were talking about teas with a bit of bite and I said I like chilli uh, ginger tea and so did you. I'm, I'm absolutely impressed with that, Jane. My, <laughs> my dear wife, whom I hope will be listening to this program, would be quite chuffed to hear that. And Liz, who's taking the calls outside, likes a chilli tea. Oh, wow, we're, we're right onto it today. I didn't know I was going to tap so much interest in this. The <laughs> yes. staff, to use a, this, uh, this is a bit of a pun, the staff here are on fire today. Absolutely <laughs> on fire, and I must say, I rather like a chilli hot chocolate yeah. too. It's a chilli hot, Jane, you have surprised me. Chilli hot chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely great, especially when it's really cold. How about that? That's well, wonderful. I don't know whether that would help with lack of sleep, Dennis, oh, okay. but David has rung okay. in from Tanambit, and your problem is not getting to sleep when you want to, David. Is that right? Yes. Hello, David. Hello, Dennis. Uh, about two years ago, I had prostate cancer and yes. I had seven weeks of radiation. Yes. And then they gave me a lucrin injection. Yes. Now, since then, two years ago, I, I can only sleep for two hours. Um, I've been on different sleeping pills and all I get is nightmares. Okay. Uh, but the doctor put me on Ceramind, it's uh-huh. a lavender oil. Uh-huh. But, ah, uh, th- that disagrees me. Okay. Have you got any uh, solutions? Yes. Look, I do have. Um, when I say solution, let me be quick here to say that um, my recommendations are but su- suggestions based on experience. I don't, right. I don't claim that in every case uh, what I recommend will necessarily work because anyone involved in any system of medicine knows that uh, everyone responds sometimes very differently to each other. But I had an interesting case yesterday. One of my first patients in practice in New Lambton was a lady who amongst other things, was suffering some significant insomnia, probably associated with the fact that she was also uh, going through menopause. But amongst other things, I suggested that she try taking uh, some tablets of the herb Carver. Carver. Carver, K-A-V-A. Oh, K-A-V-A. <coughs> now, let, K-A-V-A. Me, just, ju- let yeah. me just explain this. Yeah. Carver, whose botanical name is Piper Methysticum, is probably one of the most... <coughs> Um, used herbs in the South Pacific. It's a, a herb that is used by the Fijians, the, in Vanuatu. In, in all the islands, um, kava is used um, yeah. for ceremonial purposes, but is also used there also as a relaxant substance. Oh, and I see. In, in, my, in my opinion, uh, I, I, when I was in Fiji, I rarely saw any Fijians that were anxious or, or, or disturbed that the most relaxed people, beautiful people. But yeah. what we know about carver is that it has three properties, and all of these depend upon dosage. It can right. be used as a mild antidepressant, a mild anti-anxiety agent, and it right. can be used as an effective anti-insomnic remedy. Now, oh, I, I suggested to this patient some weeks ago <coughs> that she try right. two tablets of carver yeah. taken, say, before she goes to bed. And and as I always recommend, and I know this sounds very left field to the orthodox out there, but I also recommend that she takes it, or anyone takes any of these anti-insomnic herbs, with a tablespoonful of natural honey. Oh, 
right. now people say, oh, you, you know, this is all folk medicine. No, it isn't. The, the medical stuff now on honey uh, yeah. establishes that a lot of the folk lore about it can be seen to sustain a medical investigation and observation. Anyway, the dear lady uh, began taking two tablets of kava yeah. uh, uh, j- just about an hour or so bego- before going to bed, uh, yeah. took it with the honey, and, and bingo, um, she's had some remarkably good success in getting better sleep, put it that oh. way, better sleep than what she had before, even coping with some oh. of the, the, the night sweats and things that ladies sometimes experience when they're going through the menopause. I would suggest you try kava. The only thing that I would say is that kava is, is, is not something uh, that is wise to be taken uh, forever and ever, right. and it is not something to be uh, taken if uh, you are a big alcohol uh, user. No. <laughs> no, not that. Because, because it would clash with that. No. But um, do you, you know how long the the Lucan injection effect takes no, to wear off? I really don't. Um, oh, um, terrible. I, I don't know. But look, the thing about it is. Um, this is not going to um, conflict with that hormonal medication you're talking about. I see. So give it a go. Look, it may not work. It's, it is an inexpensive substance and a good compounding pharmacist or a pharmacist that stocks natural remedies would have it. If yeah. not, your health food store would have it or a medical herbalist or naturopath would have it. I you think don't get nightmares with it. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I've never. I'd be, I'd be reluctant to yeah, look. Yeah. Any, anything can happen, but it's not something that I no. have had fed back to me. In most cases, uh, it has a pleasant sleep, and, yeah. and when I have taken it, and I've taken it frequently, um, yeah, I've had some good times on it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the maximum hours I sleep. I get two hours. Uh, you can, look, I'd be surprised if you didn't do better than that by taking. Some okay. All the very best with that okay. then, David. On Health Naturally, Dennis Stewart is taking mm. your calls. Chad has rung in from Tomago. Now, Chad, you've got a question for Dennis about... Pro, proteinum. Okay. Ask um, away. Okay. G'day, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well. How are you, Chad? Good, thanks, mate. Good, um, good. Yeah, mate. Um, look, just uh, a few years ago... Started going to a chiropractor through um, you know, a bit of neck and, and yes. back pain and headaches, yes. and yes. Um, and that's that's helped largely. Good. But he's put me onto this stuff um, called protein, and, um, and it's well, I find you know there's enough. It's not been backed medicinal or medically, of course, but um, but I find it's um, it helps with um, with with sleep and um, sort of re- like relaxing and, and, and stress. You know, with, okay. if, if Okay. Well, what, what you know about it? Okay. The first thing that I, I would uh, ask is, uh, what are the constituents in it, Jed? Um, well, it's just a herbal dietary supplement. It's, um, like I said, I can purchase it over the counter through my chiropractor. I mean, I don't okay. kind of know what you're talking about um, when... Okay. When I say constituents, um, if it is prescribed as a supplement with uh, purported therapeutic benefit... Yep. Um, there necessarily has to be the list of constituents on the label which okay. which supports that claim. Okay. Now, it may well have that, and if you were to 
um, find what they were and let me know. I could give you a more intelligent interpretation of it. Okay. Uh, what I would also say is that um, if it is a therapeutic product, if it purports to be yep. a, a therapeutic product, yep. it, it must to, it, or it must have what's called an OSTEL number on it, an OSTEL number, which means that it has been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. Okay. Now, uh, on the other hand, if it is presented as a food substance, mm. th there is, um, as far as I'm aware, no need for it to have uh, an OSTEL number. But okay. if, it, if it purports to have a therapeutic benefit, my understanding is that it needs to have a, um, a, uh, an OSTEL number on it. Find the constituents. Yep. I'd be happy to give you advice. Yep. Ring in next week, and um, I'll discuss it with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. No worries. Well, thanks for your help. It's a pleasure, Janet. mate. Thank and you. And Thank thanks you. for your call. Now, Chad has rung in, Dennis, and uh, Chad... Chad uh, no, Ivan. That was Chad. Thank you, Chad. Ivan has rung in from Clarencetown, and we don't have much time left in the program at this stage, but... Uh, let's start talking about your question. Now, you're being treated for PTSD and depression, Ivan, and you're yep. wondering if there's something that Dennis might know about that could work with those medications. Yes, please. Ivan, I'm, I'm happy to discuss this with you, but yep. I'd, I'd have to necessarily know what you were taking uh, yeah. in order to give an interpretation, and that would take time. So yep. what, I'm what I'm going to suggest is um, ring me first up next week so I can spend yep. some time with you on it. We're running out now and we have one call yeah, no drama. to mention. Bring it in, mate. I'll be happy, I'll be happy to talk to you. Okay, um, no problem. That you. sounds like a great idea yes, because, yes. Um, yeah, that's going to be something that needs some time. Sure. Thanks no for your problem. call, You Ivan. guys have a good weekend. Thank you, you too. And last one is Sue. And Sue from Newcastle, just a little quick call. Okay. Unrheumatoid arthritis. Hello, yes. Sue. Hello, how are you? Good, Sue. Look, good, good. My, hus my husband's on injections yes. and he also takes another tablet. Yes. So he's been taking Ostragalus now yeah. for about four months. Yes. And it hasn't improved it whatsoever. I was just thinking, could you recommend something else that he can take? He's He's been treated by a rheumatologist? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes. Look. Uh, to be very quick, it's it's likely that he might be on a bracket of uh, medications that uh, immunosuppressants, uh, strong medication, maybe even steroid. While it, yep. while he's on those, it would be, in my point of, from my point of view, uh, not worthwhile trying oh, okay. trying complementary medicine. Complementary medicine is best used when the level of medication that is being prescribed is yep. is less um, less complicated. And where it can be used as a bridge, if you like, or in conjunction with milder stuff. But knowing what your uh, husband would be on for rheumatoid arthritis, I would suggest that he stays with that until he's more stable. And then under the direction of his rheumatologist as he comes down from it, that's the time perhaps to try some alternatives. And thanks anyway mm. for your call. And that certainly is it, I think. Thank you, Dennis Stewart, Health Naturally for you, today Jane. on 2 and your RFM. Thank you. Back next Friday after the midday news.